0: Oh, what a tangled web we weave When first we practice to deceive. Sir Walter Scott Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to violin Vice. My name is Audie Griffith.
1: And I uh, almost forgot to hit the mute button. Hi, I'm John John.
0: <laughs> Hello. if you guys could do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, write a review and leave us five stars. We'd really really appreciate it. I know it takes a minute to sign in, but it takes a couple more minutes to do a podcast, so we'd really, really appreciate it and we love hearing from you guys. So let us know what you think. All right, John John, are you ready for today's topic?
1: I think so. I, if I'm not mistaken, today we are going down this particular rabbit hole you alluded to last week's episode.
0: We are. So, this episode is going to be kind of structured different. Oh. So, normally I do a lot more credible sources and everything, but this website that I found everything on is also kind of in a book, and was exaggerated by the killer himself to the person that wrote the book so i'm gonna kind of go down this rabbit hole because it does cover a couple crimes i'm gonna touch on and then we're gonna head back to what he actually did
1: oh my goodness okay
0: so it is a rabbit hole it does jump around a lot but i promise you it's gonna make sense once i finish it so if you guys can stick it through this episode it'll be a really really good one. Oh,
1: i love it okay
0: all right so again, just to recap, the last episode we covered the Black Dahlia, and in that research, I found the name Edward Wayne Edwards popping up just a couple of times. Now, with the Black Dahlia, there wasn't really a connection except for this WordPress website called Edward Edward or sorry, Ed Edwards serial com. So what this website claims is he's not only the Black Dahlia murderer. He's the Zodiac Killer, amongst other prolific serial killers, like the Lipstick Murders, as well as a few others. So I was like, wait now, where is this all coming from? Like, This does not match any of my research on these other serial killer crimes. So I dug a little bit further, and it turns out there's a 2EV series about this. Now, again, just to preface this one more time... There's more evidence that other people had committed these crimes and other people had been sentenced for these crimes. And this website suggests that Edwards framed the people that were sentenced for these crimes as well as a couple others. So kind of just bear with me and buckle up because we are going on a deep dive into one man's theories on who Edward Edwards all killed. The
1: ultimate hypothetical. A what if if there ever was one.
0: I, I mean, some of his theories have a little bit of credibility to him, but not a whole lot. And we'll get to Edward Wayne Edwards' actual murders. He is a serial killer a little bit farther on later in the episode. Okay. So, I found a Rolling Stone article, not only about this website, but about the TV show as well. And it states... There's a lot of question about the wild theories raised on Paramount Network's new true crime series, It Was Him, The many Murders of Edward Edwards. But let's get one thing straight quickly. The sincerity of the man behind them, John A. Cameron, is not one of them. For the last eight years, Cameron, a retired cold case detective, has sought to prove that Edward Wayne Edwards was the most prolific serial killer the world has ever heard of. He believes that Edwards committed upwards of 100 murders, killing some of the most famous victims over the last 70 years, including John Bennett Ramsey, Lacey Peterson, Teresa Halbeck, making a murderer, Adam Walsh, the son of America's Most Wanted, John Walsh, Sandra Levy, Jim Hoffa, Martha Moxley, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, Christopher Byers, one of the Memphis Three case, and the Black Dahlia. Cameron also believes Edward was the Zodiac killer who terrorized the Bay Area in the late 60s and that is that he is responsible for the Atlanta child murders. So there's a lot of big names there that Cameron believes Edward Edwards did. So...
1: Though I am a bit excited to find out who finally killed Jimmy Hoffa.
0: Oh my gosh. We haven't gotten to that case yet. Don't worry. So Cameron's theories... Which he detailed in his 2014 book, It's Me, Edward Wayne Edwards, The Serial Killer You Never Heard Of, have met with almost universal disdain, especially from law enforcement, of which he was a member for 24 years. He's been labeled not only a crackpot, but a conspiracy theorist. He's lost friends, colleagues, and his job over these theories. It's not disputed that Edward Edwards was a serial killer. In 2010, the late con man confessed to killing five people, including two couples, Billy Lavico and Judy Straub in Ohio in 1977, Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew in Wisconsin in 1980, and his foster son Daniel Golecker in Ohio in 1996. And he wasn't caught for any of them until they had long gone cold, then Edwards' daughter ratted him out kids aren't stupid april blasco edwards daughter from his fourth marriage told people earlier this year she always knew there was something off about her dad's obsession with murder the way he would move his family from city to city every few months and in 2009 when she saw a news report about the newly reopened hack murder case and realized edwards had worked at the venue where the couple was last seen alive She also remembered two days after the couple disappeared, Edwards announced to the family that they were moving again. I was shaking, Blasco told people. Immediately, I knew who had committed the murders. Less than a year later, Edwards pleaded guilty to two double murders and was sentenced to life in prison. He eventually confessed to killing Golakonar, his foster son, and was given the death penalty. Just a few months before his scheduled execution in 2011, he died on death row of natural causes. So I know we kind of got to the end at the beginning, but we were going to circle back to that. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you guys like good quality clothing and do you prefer the color black? Well you guys should check out ravenyx.com, that's R-A-V-E-N-Y-X.com. You'd be helping a small business and they have a wide variety of clothing, everything from sandals, boots, bags, to dresses and skirts and tops. I personally got their flowy top, and I absolutely love it. I'd recommend them highly. You can use the code VileVice to get 40% off. That's capital V-I-L-E, capital V-I-C-E, for 40% off. Now, back to the show. And Cameron was already very far down the rabbit hole by then. Initially, Edwards' two la- Lovers' Lane double murders reminded him of one of his cold cases, the murder of the Great Falls couple in 1956. After he confirmed that Edwards was in the area at the time, he assumed his old colleague would be. Happily, er, be... <sighs> he confirmed that Edwards was in the area at the time and he assumed his old colleagues would be happy to take over. When I first started I thought well it'd be easy I'll just be able to get the real cops on board Cameron told Rolling Stone but as time went on I was really shunned even by my local police department. I was called in read my rights and I was told to stay out of it. He and Edwards began exchanging letters instead and his series started to even snowball further. Cameron quit his job with the state's parole board rather than give up the investigation in which no one else would touch. He believes law enforcement didn't investigate Edwards any further because the serial killer was an informant, he claims, made friends with the police in every city that he visited. Over the course of six episodes, It Was Him, it takes a deep dive into just a handful of Cameron's most controversial theories. Along for the ride is Wayne Wolf, the show's co-producer, and Edwards' grandson. Wolf only learned his grandpa was a serial killer a few years ago. Wolf tells Rolling Stone, my mind was blown. My grandmother had been contacted by John a few years ago, and she had made him promise to never reach out to me or my father because she didn't want us to know. Unbeknownst to anyone in the family, she had been living in fear of Edwards all of her life. Each episode features interviews with law enforcement, journalists, and other experts with their knowledge of the murders Cameron believes Edwards committed. Los Angeles Times journalist Larry Hirshnish, an expert on the Black Dahlia case, says he was shocked when producers asked him to appear on the series because he had written a blog post slamming Cameron's theory that Edwards killed Elizabeth Short, saying it was a whole new level of absurdity. I told the producer, look, this is crazy, Harnish tells Rolling Stones, and that's why I'm going to say. They said, go ahead, call it like you see it. At some point, I was told that in some sort or another interviews that he did with law enforcement, people, they were a lot more blunt and impolite than I was. Of all his theories, Cameron's belief that Howard killed the young woman dubbed the Black Dahlia is his most outlandish. The 22-year-old waitress's mutilated body was found in January 1947, having been severed at the waist and drained of blood. The LAPD investigated with the possibility that Short was murdered by a surgeon or someone with extensive medical knowledge. Edward Edwards would have just been 13 years old at the time, never received more than a 6th grade education. There is also no reputable evidence that Edwards and Short knew each other, and Cameron's proof is a series of photo booth pictures of Short with a young man, not a teen, who looks nothing like Edwards at any age. Cameron's primary source of material for his Black Dahlia theory is... A 15-year-old website which kept showing up when he was doing research, he says, Cameron believes that Edwards was the author of the website and the third-person narrative is meant to be a coded confession. As soon as he mentions the site on the show's fifth episode, Harnish couldn't hold back a laugh. When I heard that his research consisted of Google, I thought, oh no, Harnish tells Rolling Stone. His so-called source material is just bonkers. It's really a flying saucer and men from Mars sort of stuff. I kind of feel sorry for him. And sitting down and talking to him, there's no question on my mind, does he believe everything he's saying? Yes. Yes, he does. Is he terribly, terribly wrong? Yes, he is terribly wrong. So this kind of goes into what I found from last week covering the Black Dahlia and everything about that. Um, it just really didn't make sense that Edward Wayne Edwards was, you know, part of the Black Dahlia. Yeah.
1: No, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like, you, you went in depth with that last episode. And someone who is 13 years old and having that ability, let alone the, like, way to just dispose of a body that... I, I don't know. If it since it's not certainly confirmed with that but i i still think it was the guy hodell that was the one who did it but entertaining the rabbit hole theory yeah it seems so
0: outlandish she's 13
1: so crazy and well, like The expertise to do that, like, it would be very, very difficult.
0: Yeah. And
1: people would notice a 13-year-old, because they wouldn't be driving. They wouldn't, I mean, they'd have a bike, and if there's just a guy on a bike with, like, this massive bag of something, and then they'd, like, reconstruct it somewhere else, it's just, I, I think that's not... Even remotely
0: close. No, I, I agree. Like, he's 13. He's not that big at the time, not that strong. I don't think he could, like, has the medical knowledge at all. And we'll get to later in, on the episode where he was when he was at that age. And I don't believe he was actually in the area. Mm. So, yeah. But I found that website claiming that, you know, Edward Edwards started out doing this and all everything. So, this was kind of where i got on edward wayne edwards on my radar and everything
1: this is crazy stuff
0: yeah and we're gonna head on to our next theory
1: all righty let's do it what's the next craziness
0: so it's easy to understand how cameron became so fascinated with edwards who is a legitimately brilliant con artist and how his theories spiraled In 1972, he published his autobiography, Metamorphosis of a Criminal, The True Life Story of Edward Edwards, and this was written by Edward Edwards, which detailed his troubled childhood, entry into life of crime, and the prison guard who inspired him to clean up his act. Edwards marketed the book as a tale of reform, touring the country as a speaker and claiming to be on the straight and narrow. He even released a motivational album used for the opening credits of It Was Him and appeared on the ABC game show To Tell the Truth. By the early 70s, Edwards was on his fourth wife and had several more children. The picture of a reformed convict-turned-family man, then five years after the book was published, Edwards committed his first confirmed murder. According to Cameron, the metamorphosis of a criminal is hiding many more murders in it. His book was a blueprint for all the killing he had done and all the cities that he had killed in, he tells Rolling Stone. Cameron believes Edwards wrote about the murders indirectly. The names he uses for different characters are linked to Edwards' victims, he says, and the seemingly innocuous antecedents contain references to the murders were were committed. That's really what the book was, Cameron agrees. It was the Zodiac killer taunting everyone with who he really was to see if anyone would follow his trail. Cameron's belief that Edwards is a Zodiac killer is central to many of his other theories. On its own, it's not implausible. The Zodiac claimed responsibility for 37 murders, but he's only been officially linked to the attacks on three couples and a taxi driver in Northern California from 68 to 69. There's some evidence that Edward was in the area during those years, and like the Zodiac, Edwards may have served time at Deer Lodge Prison in Montana. Blasco has said that the father was obsessed with the Zodiac case and remembers him watching news coverage and yelling, that's not how it happened. Creepy, but Edwards wouldn't be the first person, killer or not, to be obsessed with the Zodiac case. Cameron often says, just follow the evidence, but he also embellishes the facts to fit the theories. For example, on It Was Him, Cameron goes on and on about the craftsmanship of the black executioner's hood the Zodiac wore during his third attack. Cameron describes the hood as being made of leather, with intricate stitching around the cross symbol on its front. While in prison, Edwards was trained in leather work, ergo, Ed Edwards must have made the ornate leather hood, Cameron concludes. Except there's no evidence that the Zodiac's hood was made of leather. The costume was never found, and the only description on record did not indicate what kind of material it was fashioned out of. A sketch artist's official rendering doesn't include any of the decorative details that Cameron seems to ima- have imagined. Some of the investigation methods also lack validity. Cameron's claim that the cryptographer friend cracked the Zodiac's and famous 13 character My Name Is Cypher is too dizzying to follow, but in short, Edward Edwards fits perfectly. You just have to know his name in order to solve it, he says. The method of working backwards to solve a cryptogram has worked for other sleuths too. Cameron is not the first to believe he has cracked the Zodiac's code with a strategy, nor is Edwards' name the first to fit the strategy. Cameron contends that Edwards and the Zodiac share the same MO because they both killed couples, but Edwards raped at least one of his victims while the Zodiac's crimes had no sadosexual elements. Besides Cameron's overarching theories that Edwards targeted not just couples, but also single women and men, whose families and children, regardless of race or age, used a variety of kill methods, he basically had no M.O. So, a side tangent just on this, the movie called Zodiac starring R.D.J. and Mark Ruffalo is super duper good. And has more yeah, yeah. evidence pointing to the actual killer who's most likely Arthur Lee Allen. Oh. It's, it's just really good. Also, I don't think he could be the Zodiac Killer, too, because of the ciphers and everything.
1: Yeah. he needs, seems really and, out of place.
0: Yeah. I believe, like, one cipher was solved with a history book, like, he needs to be well-educated. And Edwards mm-hmm. only had a sixth-grade education, too.
1: Yeah. And granted... Also, entertaining the hypothetical in this situation. Different locations using very different methods would essentially be a very good cover.
0: hmm
1: So, if he was going to the Midwest after doing something else and doing something very different with his murders... And then going back and doing a different murder that was similar to a different MO that he already did in that location, it would throw police off the trail.
0: And I'm not saying that he could switch; he couldn't switch up his MOs because he did with his victims that are yeah. c- confirmed. Like a couple were shot, a couple were strangled. Yeah. Uh, vice versa, but I, for me, the the validity in this is that the Zodiac was highly educated or somewhat educated Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where he loses me on this
1: yeah he's more clever than educated
0: yeah like Like. he's a con man and Mm -hmm. so he could have had some of the zodiac's uh crimes and like done it like that but i don't think the actual zodiac ciphers came from him
1: Mm. if anything there, I think there were a couple in the Zodiac murders that seemed out of place and like a copycat might have been doing it. I could see possibly that being more likely him, right? not the Zodiac,
0: mm-hmm. in those
1: places. But even that, I'm thinking probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we'll save the Zodiac murders for another day.
1: For sure.
0: Yes. So Cameron's Zodiac theory has fueled many of his others a spiraling tornado of confirmation bias sweeping up any case that contains some resemblance. To Cameron, a mysterious note or letter seems to always be a sign from the Edwards Zodiac Killer. Like a bizarre rambling ransom note that JonBenet Ramsey case. According to Cameron, the signature SBTC stands for Signed by the Cross, i.e., the Zodiac Cross, while a text contains a quote similar to the one from the movie Dirty Harry, which is loosely based on the Zodiac case. The ransom note also contains a quote from the movie Speed, but Cameron doesn't link Keanu t- to the crime. Or. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you sure? Yep.
1: Our good boy Keanu is not somehow connected to these horrific things.
0: No, I love him. Exactly. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Or the letter that was sent to a Modesto Bee reporter in 2003 claiming the responsibility for the murder of Lacey Peterson and for framing her husband, Scott. Absent any overt Zodiac references, Cameron hones in on the word me, which is in parentheses. With an M that is turned on its side, Cameron goes on and and it looks like a capital E, therefore me is actually EE or Edward's initials. So he's kind of just grasping at straws in my opinion, but I
1: don't know. Yeah, and like that sideways M is a math term as well. Usually that's just... I mean, it's epsilon, but it's still just like that... I don't know that doesn't seem like it does seem like a big stretch
0: yes so Cameron says he was into crimes of recognition he would create these horrific murders where he would frame somebody it would be a press sensation and then he could just sit back and read the paper every day about his murder he didn't need to be the guy that was finally identified and say yep that's me I'm the zodiac he wanted to die and continue to kill in his afterlife with the people he had framed Often Cameron says Edward's targets were the people he framed and the murders were just the means to an end. Like Stephen Avery who Cameron believes Edward resented for getting so much attention for following his 2003 exoneration for rape Cameron claims Edwards killed Teresa Hellback just so he could frame Avery for the crime. His efforts to reach Kathleen Zeller Avery's attorney attorney had been unsuccessful but reached her by mail she did give rolling stone her decidedly unfiltered perspective on this theory i've had nightmares that make more sense zellner tells rolling stone edwards would not have had the opportunity to kill teresa hellback she would not have pulled over for him he did not have her schedule the day to know where she would be at a particular time edwards did not have access or familiarity with avery property to plant the evidence at age 72 he was too old and infirm to have committed this crime the edwards series convenient wishful thinking placebo and not the hard-cold reality of actual performing the painstaking work and necessary to solve a murder those are harsh words but they are also unlikely to change cameron's mind and this is the kind of response cameron gets time after time again if it's cameron's perception that has become distorted so that if he stares at a case long and hard enough like one of those magic eye pictures he'll see edwards in many ways he's one of edwards victims too after going through the entire show and being able to reflect and think about everything it's definitely giving me more of a respect for john wolfie tells rolling stone i didn't understand the type of ptsd that would come from dealing with ed and he had been dealing with it for years Karen isn't alone in his belief that Edwards killed many more people. Detective Chad Garcia, who was in charge of the Hack drew Cold case, told Daily Jefferson County Union that he thinks Edward killed at least five to seven more people than what he admitted to. Garcia used Edwards' autobiography as one of several sources for a timeline of the un- other unsolved murders that he might have committed. Of those cases, the 1960s stabbing deaths of Larry Pettin and Beverly Allen in Portland, Oregon is featured on the final episode of It Was Him. Unlike many other cases, this one actually had hard evidence. Edward was seen hanging around the crime scene, had a bullet wound in his arm that the police suspected was related to the bullet hole in the couple's windshield. Police even arrested him, but he escaped before he could be questioned, and for some reason they didn't pursue him. Meanwhile, the two men were convicted for the murders and sentenced to life in prison, but they were both released within just a few years without any explanation. Both had long insisted that they were innocent. Cameron hopes to officially exonerate him. This is one theory that Cameron may actually be right about, and he makes a compelling argument for why the Peyton Allen case should be reexamined. Unfortunately, the factual inaccuracies, bias-confirming investigation methods, cherry-picking evidence, and dangerously questionable logic throughout the rest of It Was Him may have destroyed Cameron's best and maybe last shot at being taken seriously. So, again, this was all from the Rolling Stone article. Which will Mm. be on the website.
1: Hmm. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, might have shot himself in the foot with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is a good show, but he really does grasp at straws. There isn't hard evidence. Mm. As a former Mm. detective, I'm kind of surprised at how, like, inaccurate and where he got his series without evidence was coming from i might just Mm. be more compartmentalized than he is but
1: i think that more has to do with like the ptsd type thing with just like being so obsessed with somebody you do see connections and things that aren't there yeah so i think that has more to do with his mental state than it did with his profession
0: i i agree So now that we heard Cameron's series, why don't we hear another word from our sponsors? Hey guys, so I have a really fun game to tell you guys about. It's called SherlockInYourHomes.com. That's S-H-E-R-L-O-C-K-I-N-Y-O-U-R-H-O-M-E-S.com. Now, you guys are given a list of suspects, and you can eliminate suspects and find the murder weapon by going through the rooms and solving puzzles and playing games. And it's so much fun. You guys can play as you go, and you have 30 days to solve the murder, or you guys could accept the challenge and see if you guys can beat John John and I's time on solving this murder mystery and do it correctly. So, I've only had one sitting so far, but as soon as we do solve it, we'll post both Jaja and I's time on the website, and we want to see how many of you guys can beat us. So, go to SherlockInYourHomes.com now to play the game and start today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, let's actually get to Edward Wayne Edwards and what is actually known about him. And just so you guys know, like... We- That was mentioned earlier. He did write an autobiography, two of them. But much of it is contested, exaggerated, and somewhat unreliable. He also did write Cameron and was known to feed some of his theories and like, just kind of lead Cameron on extra goose hunts, so to speak.
1: So like, essentially just egging him on.
0: Yep. Mm. To see the guy suffer. So I am going to go from his known murders and his background and kind of go from there so again this kind of skips around a little bit so please bear with me edwards was born in akron ohio he grew up primarily as an orphan after witnessing the suicide of his mother in indiana december of 1935 he went to the orphanage in parma ohio in 1940 after acting out and his family could no longer care for him There, Edwards was abused both physically and emotionally in this orphanage, which contributed to his criminal behavior. He would be made fun of, teased, and verbally abused by, by the nuns there for his bedwetting, which was one of the things. At home with the family before, he had cruelty to animals. The only thing I couldn't find from the trifecta was anything relating to fire.
1: I'm sure there were, though.
0: Yes, so... After a while, he acted out so much that the nuns couldn't really control him, so he was sent to reform school juvie in 1948, and he was able to leave there because he joined the U.S. Marines in 1950. In 1950, he also returned to Akron and started committing some burglaries, left the juvie detention to join the Marines, went AOL from the Marines from Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, and was arrested in Jacksonville, Florida. He was then dishonorably discharged from the Marines and this all happened within that short time. So after that he traveled frequently during his 20s and 30s doing odd jobs such as a ship docker, vacuum retailer and handyman. He lived most of his life when not incarcerated in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm going to kind of go into a timeline and jump around and then go into the murders. So in April 1952 he was sentenced to federal reformatory in kiloco ohio for two years for impersonating a marine and interstate transportation of a stolen car in april of 1955 he broke out of akron jail while being held on burglary charges in 1956 he was caught in montana after a series of armed robberies sentenced to penitentiary in deer lodge oregon
1: so this is second time in jail yes okay
0: so, he married Jeanette White at Edwards in 1956. The relationship, however, ended in 1958, and Edwards used the name James Langley on their wedding license dated October 20th, 1955. So, in July 1959, he was released in Montana, taken to Portland to stand trial for two armed robberies in 1956 and sentenced to five years of probation because, they said, he had reformed.
1: So third time yep and i'm guessing this is about when he starts to do that book
0: almost oh almost okay okay so he then married marlene Harmon in 1959 and they were married till 1960 in 1960 he broke out of jail in portland where he'd been arrested for turning in a false fire alarm he was questioned in connection with the double murder of the young couple so this is where you know he was questioned and then escaped, as talked above about the one couple, unwanted parents' actual and theories. they
1: never followed him or thought that uh, you got away. So whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, the That's thing is, meh. they did trace him to Colorado where he cashed some checks on a Portland bowling club, which he was a member of, but mm. they never followed up.
1: That mm, okay. I have thoughts.
0: Yep. So, in November 10th of 1961, he was added to the FBI's 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list. A federal warrant charged him with unlawful interstate flight to avoid confinement after a robbery conviction. So, he was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted.
1: That must have been a bit weird. Yeah. But, like, probably, like, an ego boost for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he did all these, he said in his autobiography, because he wanted to be known, he wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, on January 20th, 1962, he, he was captured in Atlanta with his wife, Marlene. On May of 18th, 1962, he was sentenced to 16 years in the Wentworth Federal Penitentiary. In 1967, he was transferred to Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary in Pennsylvania and paroled from federal prison that year because he was fully re- rehabilitated. So five years later, of a 15-year sentence.
1: Fully a, a stand-up citizen. Somebody who was once on the FBI's most wanted is now a reformed criminal.
0: Yep, and paroled.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He gets remarried in Ohio of July 20th, 1968 and this wife stays with Edwards till his arrest in 2009. So what was he doing between 1971 and 1973? He was touring as a speaker on present reform. He published a book on his rehabilitation called Metamorphosis of a Criminal October 17th, 1972. He was on a game show called Tell the Truth and he was so charming, charismatic and the judges thought he couldn't have... Been the proly because you know he was an upstanding all-american citizen mm-hmm. and two pe- people on the show voted for him because of that and there's going to be a link to the video the blog and then judges were kind of racist though and kind of neglected Edwards throughout all the questioning mm-hmm. because of their racial things so john john i'm going to take a pause from the show and i want you to watch the video quick and tell me what you think so john john what did you think
1: I did not picture that face with him. I know. It, it, it looks, like, very innocent and cherub-like.
0: Very, I guess, Ted Bundy-esque, right? Like, he has the, little. the charismatic, outgoing personality. Like the judges said, the all-American type. One mm-hmm. you would think you would trust out of that group.
1: Yeah. Essentially, it's just, like, it's just... The others could be criminals, and there's no way he could be, so I vote for him. So, it is so crazy.
0: Yeah. I I just
1: can't picture that. It doesn't... Oh, that's probably why he did so well with it. It's just, he doesn't look like it.
0: And he's creepy. He's just really creepy. But going kind of through and watching that video, I feel like the judges were pretty racist and, like, didn't direct very many questions towards Edwards. Like, they didn't the other two
1: well i mean one guy looked on the italian side like he could be from the mafia yeah and the other one had like a super greasy haircut and everything like that so there was like a used car salesman type vibe to him so of course they were suspecting of that stuff but like him he he looked like your average 70s nuclear family dad
0: yeah.
1: It was so weird.
0: Yup. Yup, yup. So, again, that video will be on the blog for mm-hmm. you guys to see. It's like a five-minute video, but...
1: It's crazy. Yeah. Like, you might even guess wrong yourself with who it is.
0: Yup. So, after that spiel of, uh, you know, going on tour, telling him about the book, how he's reformed and everything... They were in Wisconsin in 1980. And in September of 1980, he left after being questioned about the Hack Drew Watertown, Wisconsin Sweetheart murders. Watertown or Sullivan. It depends on where you look. They're like right next to each other. In December of 1982, however, he was incarcerated again in Pennsylvania prison for arson. So here we finally got our fire, the trifecta, and mm. everything.
1: At least that is known.
0: Yep, I just couldn't find any arson before this time. And in July of 1986, he was released from Pennsylvania prison. So that's the last thing on the timeline. So, how does he get caught? As mentioned earlier, his daughter, April Blasco. So, this is from a People TV article because they kind of covered everything that. A couple articles didn't. I know I don't usually use People TV as a source because it's kind of biased, but this kind of just covers everything. So she said one night, I believe it was Sunday night, I all of a sudden remembered about the Wisconsin murders in Watertown, Wisconsin, which I don't really know why I remembered. I didn't remember those cases before because uh, those murders murders stick out more in my brain than any other. I think because I was older, Blasco recalls in the clip. I went online and I was actually really surprised to see that they had just reopened the Watertown Wisconsin murders. And there is lots of information on there. And as I read it, I'm like, this is how I remember it. She also checked other towns she had lived in and the family had to pack up suddenly. Blasco is struck to realize that as a girl, she was taken by her dad to the same place where the investigators had searched for the bodies of Drew and Hack. Later, she met with Detective Garcia. Blasco says she introduced herself as a potential dead end, not realizing the opposite was true. I had introduced myself to Garcia and I had said, I might be sending you on a wild goose chase and you might think I'm crazy, but this is what I remember when I lived in this area. I also explained to him who my dad was, his name, and why I thought that, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually giving him a lot of information. So police flew down to interview her father, but we are going to skip ahead to the sweetheart murders since this is literally town over from where I am now. So what were they and where did they happen? It was in watertown sullivan Wisconsin. It's called the Sweetheart Murders. Hack's father reported the couple missing on August 10, 1980. They were last seen leaving the reception at Concord House, a dance hall in Sullivan, a town about 40 miles west of Milwaukee around 11 p.m. the night before. David Hack found his son's car in the hall's parking lot still locked with his son's wallet inside. This led to one of the largest Wisconsin searches ever. Five days later, investigators found Drew's shredded pants, underwear, and bra on the road about three miles down from the Concord house. Tim Hack's body was found in the same area the next day, and a medical examiner found signs that Drew had been tied up, raped, and strangled, and her boyfriend had been stabbed. Edwards had worked at this venue at the time, and the family lived in Watertown. Edwards was originally interviewed at the time for this murder, and he had a bloody nose. He said, oh, I had been out deer hunting, giving him, saying that that was his alibi. And that's how he got the injury. So, now we're going to fly back to present time. When detectives flew down to talk to him, they didn't want to spook him or scare him into leaving. So, they just asked general questions, saying, like... Hey, you know, we're opening up this Watertown Murders. We have a few follow-up questions from a couple years ago. And they asked him uh, if he remembered the couple that night or if he had ever been deer hunting. He said, nope, no, and no. So it was the wrong answer. He didn't remember the alibi he had given. They asked for Mm. a DNA sample and kind of cornered him. And he was refusing, saying like, oh, I saw those CSI shows, I'm not giving you my DNA and all this stuff. And his wife had said, if you have nothing to hide, just give him a sample, no big deal. And he finally gave in. It was a match to the DNA found in the rape. So Kelly and Tim's parents, the two victims, finally have closure. Tim's dad said he was very proud of his son for giving Edwards a bloody nose and that at least he went down fighting edwards ended up confessing to five murders in total besides tim and kelly the sweetheart murders he confessed to the 1977 murders of billy lavico 21 of Dollstown, and judy straub 18 of sterling their bodies were found on august 8 1977 in silver creek park in norton both had been shot in the neck with a shotgun And Edwards had lived in Dole from 1974 to 1978 over this time period. When told last year of Edwards' confession, Lavacco's older brother, Tom Lavacco, 62 of Worcester, was relieved that justice was done. He had said a day had not passed that he did not think of his younger brother. Now what's really tragic is Edward also killed his son, so, Danny Boy Edwards, 25, the foster child who had regarded Edwards as family as proof of his love, the boy legally changed his name from Danny Law Glockner to his nickname Danny Boy and adopted Edwards' last name as his own. Edwards persuaded the boy to go AOL from the army in May of 1996, returned home from Troy Township. Under the ruse of arranging a way to elude the army, Edwards took Danny Boy into the woods near their house where he fired two gunshots to the boy's face. His motive was to collect Danny Boy's $250,000 insurance. Skeletal remains, later identified as Danny Boy, were found by a hunter in a shallow grave just behind Troy Cemetery, less than a mile from Edwards' Troy Township home. At the time, Edwards was questioned about Danny Boy's murder, but no charges were ever filed. When he appeared in court last month, Edwards seemed content even bored with the proceedings. He repeatedly said he welcomed the death penalty and would not appeal the sentence to die by lethal injection on August 31st. Deanie Boy's half-sister, J. Dean Copley of Garden City, South Carolina, said Friday that she was relieved that the man who murdered her brother was caught. I feel if we murdered him, we would have been as bad as he was. She said, it would have been suicide by the justice system. I know my brother would not have wanted him to be executed, and neither did I. Copley said that she and her brother went into foster care when their father fell on hard times. She said Danny Boy moved with the Edwards and his wife in 1994, but lived with her for a while before joining the army shortly before his death. At the sentencing, Copley urged the judges to deny Edwards' request for a quick death. Do not give the man what he wants. He is taken and taken his entire life. During a break in the proceedings, Copley said the worst hell for him would be life in prison. As it turned out, life in prison would be less than a month. So, just to kind of recap, July 30th, 2009, he was... Arrested in Louisville, Kentucky for the 1980 murders of Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew, which we talked about. And then June 9th, he pled guilty to the Hack and Drew murders and agreed to plead guilty for the two 1977 Ohio murders. He died in 2011 on a Thursday night in April in the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction Medical Center in Columbus of Natural Causes. Edwards was 77 at the time and was scheduled to have been executed by lethal injection on August 31st of that year. Edwards used a wheelchair and had several major medical problems, including diabetes and other illnesses. So, we're going to kind of recap to back at the beginning now on Mm. why he couldn't have committed the Black Dahlia murder and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's... It just doesn't make sense, but okay.
0: So he was at the orphanage and in juvie during the time at the age where the Black Dahlia murder was supposed to have take place. So I feel like he was accounted for and couldn't have gone and done that. Like, he did mm. escape several times, but I don't think the times overlapped. No. And he was too small. Also, when he was uh, 77 or 70, he was still very sick at the time, too. Like, he was already dying when Mm -hmm. they captured him. So I don't think he could have done that later murder, too, Mm. that Cameron was suggesting.
1: It would be extremely difficult.
0: No. So that's why it doesn't fit. I do think he did kill more people. Like, the Oregon murders, he probably did do. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just don't...
1: I don't think it's to the extent that that Cameron's stating
0: no and there could be more that we don't know about like he did pack up and move all of a sudden i would be curious to know what city his daughter's or his daughter remembers them doing that for and looking into murders there because mm-hmm. i don't think this is all of them but i definitely think it's a start yeah and it's a wide cool off period too between the murders so i definitely think there is more
1: mm. for sure
0: what are your thoughts
1: I don't know, I'm still kind of weirded out by how he appears. And, I don't know. I'd say overall, it's just like, it is the ultimate con man type situation.
0: Yes. I think he's very Ted Bundy-esque. I know he wasn't as prolific as Ted Bundy. Mm. But, he, in my opinion, he could have killed way more people than what he did. I just don't think... He killed the ones Cameron said,
1: yeah, I think he did, yeah, same thing there I think there's just there's too many differences with the stuff that he's being called out for by Cameron, though yeah, there are definitely more that he's done, yeah, because you did mention like the daughter said that they would regularly pick up and move very often, yep, and she didn't even realize until like she knew that. That one place where this couple was murdered, like, he was there that last night, and then as soon as, like, there was a murder there, and then he's deciding to move all of a sudden, it's just, like, that's when it clicked. Yep. And you don't click on something like that as a kid, especially not the first time that happens.
0: Yeah, and the cooling off periods, too, for me, are what kind of make me think that there's a lot more, like, I get when he's older, like, that time frame... From, like, 96 to 2000. Like, he was pretty old when he killed Danny Boy. But.
1: Yeah. In between,
0: like, the 70s and the 90s, there has to be more people there Mm -hmm. that he killed.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, he was touring. Doing, like, the speaking and doing the book and everything like that. And he has a reason to be moving from city to city with that. He does. I feel like that would probably include a lot of that
0: and cameron was right where he did make friends with police and everything with cities he did tour to like Mm -hmm. he's you said and he said he is a con man like was pretty charismatic and outgoing and outspoken i mean he spoke to large groups of people he knew how to play to a crowd
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah like you can definitely see it in that clip yes that is crazy stuff
0: So that and a bunch more bonus material will be on the blog, so go check that out. I'll have the site that sent me down this rabbit hole on there as well. Just, you know, be careful with what you're reading and what you believe and just make sure it's backed up by fact and other articles. Like, if you have a first-person source that's not reliable, just make sure you back it up and everything, so.
1: For Sure
0: that's kind of what i try to do on research if i can't find a whole lot but yeah i wanted to take you guys down the journey that i went so we kind of dove head first into this rabbit hole and then circled back to the murderers and what he actually was like oh, so
1: so crazy
0: yeah like a movie right Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. i still think that last episodes would make a great tv show and it all uh, on its own
0: yeah especially Just with, with how that went and buster Except, the dog
1: exactly
0: yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. Well, is that all we got for tonight?
0: That is, unless you have any more questions or anything.
1: I think I'm going to be concerned about every baby-faced person I see from now on. Oh, boy. Yep. It's just like you look so innocent and cherub-like. You probably killed someone.
0: Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. That might get me into trouble. Probably. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all from me.
0: Yep, and that's all from me. Do you want to close us out, John? John?
1: Sure. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe. Give us five stars. Write a review. It only takes a few seconds, maybe a minute or so to log in. But after that, it really helps so much. A minute of your time. You already listened to all of this podcast, it's wonderful. It's little more than that. Plus, you can give us ideas for what you'd really like to listen to. If you'd like to give us a more in-depth information or any suggestion, advice, comments, concerns, you can do so by emailing us at violinvice at gmail.com or posting on our Facebook page at violin podcast. We also have an Instagram at the same at violin podcast and just any little thing, pictures, whatever you want to share with us, You can do so at Twitter, at ViolinVice. All of these are Vice without an ampersand here. And if you'd like to support us because you want us to do more of this, I know that what we do is very fun for us. You can support us at Patreon.com slash ViolinVice or maybe a one-time payment at PayPal at the same email address that we gave earlier, ViolinVice at gmail.com.
0: But um, also, if you guys have any crazy murderer fan theories, I'd love to hear about them too and send me down another rabbit hole like this, today's episode, so. I just like rabbit
1: holes in general. They're so fun to explore. Yep, yep. But we, we love hearing from you. Please do so. We hope to see you again at the next episode. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to Violent Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Rebacht. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash fileandvice, or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.